Zish Bites, discussing Milwaukee's culinary and restaurant culture. With Ann Christensen of Milwaukee Magazine and Tariq Moody of 88.9. This Bites is brought to you by Society Insurance and Feeding America, Eastern Wisconsin. Welcome to This Bites, Milwaukee's culinary podcast. We your host, food writer and critic for Milwaukee Magazine, Ann Christensen, and me, DJ Tariq, a.k.a. The Architect. In this week's edition of This Bite, we got some news about the tandem and the owner, Caitlin Cullen. We're going to get into a conversation about this New York Times piece uh, titled, Why Do American Grocery Stores Still Have an Ethic Aisle? Really interesting uh, story in New York Times. Uh, we're going to also talk about uh, Ann's uh, review of Fool's Aaron, which is a restaurant ran by the guys over at Dan Dan. And we'll close out with an event, one of our first ever events that this bites will be hosting and curating as part of Milwaukee Films Cultures and Communities Festival happening this September. So it's going to be a fun event. I hope you uh, can't wait to share the news with y'all. Let's let's go into it. The Tandem announced some news uh, late last week. Mm-hmm. After a year and a half of doing um, free community meals, when I talked to Caitlin Cullen, who's the owner and head chef, um, back in May, you know, she's, they were going to take a few months off and then open up like this month or late, late July, early August. And, um, what happened is that, um, you know, Caitlin went out of town and she went on a trip and the more she thought about it, the more she was, she was like, you know, I don't really want to do this. I don't want to, I don't want to reopen this restaurant. I want the restaurant to keep going. Yes. But she thought she doesn't want to be the one to run it anymore. Um, and she said that, you know, she doesn't even feel like it's hers either. It's, it belongs to everybody. It belongs to all the investors, all the people who've, who've believed in it, who've supported it, you know. So, um, so they're looking for a new owner. And um, uh, so that's, what, that's the story. So it's funny. I was just reading the... Um... You know, reading yours, and I was over at the Journal Sentinel's story that she gave away over 115,000 meals during the pandemic. Yes, yeah. Um, which is amazing. She also supported other restaurants by paying them to provide meals mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the uh, World Central Kitchen um, joined in. Yeah. And it turned out, as of like late last year, I guess it was, uh, uh, last payment in March of this year, the World Central Kitchen uh, basically totaled about a million dollars. Wow! Very amazing work she's done. Like right, they came in right when they when she needed it. She was yep. running the money at the time. Um, and we can't forget that you were the one that alerted World Central Kitchen about the tandem. I felt weird saying it. So yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, so if you're looking for to take over a restaurant, I guess she she really wants to keep the community aspect of it, right? So yes. who takes over, not just take over and just run a restaurant, but really be part of the community. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, um, one of the things that's been so important to her, too, has been, you know, training young people in the Lindsay Heights community, you know, and giving them jo- job training so that they mm-hmm. can move on and move up to, you know, other other food industry jobs. But, you know, helping people find a place within the the service industry that is, you know, something that they want to do and something profitable for them. And so I think, you know, giving back and helping youth is, is a huge thing for her. Well, cool. Um, sad to see she go. 
Yeah. Well, she's not going to leave the city, she says. She says she, they're going to stay here. Yeah. Does she talk about what's what she's going to do next? Is she just going to just relax? or what's She her- said, you know, for the time being, she wants to stay still and not think about what she wants to do. Okay. So I think that, you know, but, you know, having talked to her over the course of the last several years and knowing about her, I bet she's not going to be able to s- sit still very, very long. So it'll be interesting to see what she decides to do. Well, let's hope not, you know, anyway. So... Much love and respect to Caitlin Cullen of The Tandem. Coming up with this Bites, we'll continue our conversations with a New York Times story that came out the other day. I was very fascinated. Called Why Do American Grocery Stores Still Have an Ethnic Aisle? We'll get into that conversation right after this. If now isn't quite the right time for a monetary contribution to support Radio Milwaukee, keep in mind you can always donate a vehicle you no longer need. Cars, trucks, motorcycles, we accept all types. Pickup is easy, and your gift could be worth hundreds of dollars in support. That's hours of music and stories for you to enjoy. Get your donation started at RadioMilwaukee.org slash cars. We're back on This Bites and Tariq. Um, So a few days ago, New York Times had this story called Why Do American Grocery Stores Still Have an Ethnic Aisle? It was kind of a nice piece in New York Times. And I know we had discussion about this in the past, and I want to have a conversation with you, Anne, about this. Um, so Errol Schweizer, who is the who was the vice president of grocery at Whole Foods Market from 2009-2016, said the ethnic aisle is part of a legacy of white supremacy and colonialism built into the framework of the grocery business, starting with the low wages paid to hourly workers who are often people of color and the lack of diversity among store buyers. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that quote? I think it's, he's right on about that. And, um, you know, I think of uh, at least one grocery store here in town that has an ethnic aisle, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, or maybe they call it international foods or something mm. like that. And I, I just, I don't, um, I don't agree with separating that out. I think it needs to be integrated in, into the grocery store. Um, so with all the foods, not yeah. separated out as like ethnic, you know, mm. quote unquote. So it's really interesting. This piece kind of looks at the nuances of that argument, which uh, there's some people who agree with you yeah. in this piece. And there's other people who are in the business of making these foods feel like it's kind of a necessary evil to get people to like to introduce them to the foods. because They're not foods. really looking for it in other aisles. Right. So do you yeah. have this? Weird balance. If you don't, if you don't are familiar with these foods and it's integrated in, would you know what that is? Or would it be better in in an aisle? Certain stores I know, um, Beaufort Highway, Farmers Market in Georgia. When I grew up, most was Korean foods. Now you go down there, every aisle is a different country. So you have a whole aisle representing a country. Mm-hmm. So you like you might have a, a Caribbean aisle, and there's a whole big aisle. So you don't have a like a. a two shelf spaces of Caribbean stuff like at a, at a, at a pick and save. Beaverton has a whole aisle representing that region. And then same with South America, same with like Asia, there's Korean, like, but the most of it's Korean, but you might have a, you know, Hong Kong aisle, right? Mm-hmm. So, which is very interesting. So you have, but you have more variety and stuff because it's a bigger, bigger aisle. Um, H Mart is a good example of basically intermingling stuff together. Mm-hmm. Um, you go to H Mart, there's all types of soy sauce, Korean soy sauce, Japanese soy sauce, all 
put in that aisle, right? Mm-hmm. But interesting, somebody said, uh, uh, a 55-year-old woman in New York, I think it was New York, basically says, I like the aisle because, <laughs> quote, I'm a basic white woman, 55 white woman, who wants to just be educated and like, I want to learn something. Mm-hmm. So there's that curiosity. Like, mm-hmm. do you feel if it was integrated, would people be more curious about the products? Is it, would it, how would it treat it? How would you treat it integrated wise? Like, would it like, oh, here's the, here's a masa flour next to the regular all purpose flour, right? Like, how would you like, I do you feel it, like, does it take away from the education? Does it take away from? I don't think it does. And I honestly think that there, that is a way that people can make more discoveries. You know, if, 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 for example, you end up in the soy sauce, you know, looking at soy sauce at the grocery store and, you know, you're looking at, well, I thought I was going to buy this national brand of soy sauce, but look what I look at the choices that I have around me mm-hmm. in that same area. I think that in a way it gives you more of an opportunity for education. Mm. That's a good point. Like one of the guys who's uh, one of the uh, founders of Red Boat makes it a fish sauce. His vision is not people to start making fish sauce vinaigrette for their salads and stuff and use it outside of Asian cuisine. And I can see, you know, putting all the fish sauce right next to the vinegar, the vinegars and olive oils, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of like, you know, so I see your point as well. But it's a very interesting story. Um, currently, I think the ethnic aisle does a disservice what it is now for most of the chains out there. Whole Foods, pick and save all of them. Like it's really not really good, well curated. You know, the quality's not very good. Uh, it's very, I think sometimes the ethnic house feels like a, how would you say? It's not really thought out, right? Yeah. You know, and I, you know, I have to, I, like, I go to Moe's for a deeper dive in that, you know, mm-hmm. I go to Moe's Food Market or, or, or Viet Ho, like all those places for more better selection. But I think the grocery stores can do a better job of curating it to represent those cultures better than what they do now. Mm-hmm. No, I. Agree That's with my you biggest on that. complaint. Yeah, you know where I go to Whole Foods, pick and save all of them. Doesn't matter what brand. It just feels like they're 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 haphazardly just picking products that fit. You know, oh, soy sauce. Oh, let's put soy sauce here, or yeah, let's yeah. put these. You know, and it's just not really thought of very well. You know, while the rest of Whole Foods or whatever is very thought out very well, that section is not very thought out very well. Yeah. There's no logic to what's uh, what they put in there. Um, they can do a much better job on that. Um, oh, and, the aisle, and, and, and most of the time, sure. the aisle is not really a full aisle on top of it. You know, no. you think about it. It's not even a full aisle. Um, but just because how the, if you think about it, grocery stores should be smart to change their method because guess what? The population is changing. Exactly. It's not Eurocentric. It's the, 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 the Latino population is growing, the Asian population going, and then within the Asian population, there's subcultures. Exactly. And these are going to be your customers. Yes. Right? And so they need to think more about that, I think. Um, maybe they will. Maybe they won't. I don't know. But right now, it's 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 not good. I don't like going into buying stuff in the, in the ethnic aisles. I don't. I just, I'm forced to do it because, oh, I forgot this. I need to get this. And like, I, I don't have time to go to Moe's or whatever. But right. then, then they charge an arm and a leg for like, you know, like Korean paste, chili paste, mm-hmm. which it shouldn't be, it shouldn't cost like $10, $15 for Korean paste. I don't care if it's artisanal. That's, that's a stable product, <laughs> staple product, right? Mm-hmm. And how they price it out. Like they price it above something that's normal in someone's culture. That's just, I get every day. 
they make it feel like it's a luxury item in yeah. the stores too, which that's also I don't like. But anyway, but it's a great piece. We'll post a link to it. It's a really interesting article. A great conversation about it. I thought we I just, we bring it up and talk about it. So I was just fascinated. No, I like. I think it's a great topic. So yeah, thanks for bringing it up. Um, next, um, in a new issue of Milwaukee Magazine, even though the cover is mostly about uh, the city's Asian food scene, you did do a review of Fool's Aaron, which is a restaurant run by the folks over at Dan Dan. So yes. what what was your take on Fool's Aaron? You know, I was really unexpectedly like surprised how much I, I like it. Um, and only because I just, you know, I don't know. I didn't know... Um, I, I knew they were going to do a comfort food theme, kind of um, home cooking, sort of nostalgia foods, things that you maybe re- remember from restaurants when you were growing up or something maybe your mom made, something like that. But I was really, I was really kind of charmed by the menu. Um, you know, they do chicken fried chicken. They have like a smoked Gouda mac and cheese they do um, a Monte Cristo sandwich. They have um, like a fried bologna sandwich. I mean, all these things are super nostalgic and really delicious. Now, mm. if you're going to go in there and think, oh, you know, I want to have my healthy salad with my um, roasted salmon. No, it's not that kind of menu. This is, this is comfort food. This is, this is, you know, food that tastes really, really good. But they're not thinking about, you know, diet food that's that's not the, the focus here but I, I think they're doing a really nice job and I, I I like the menu a lot you can check out that review in the latest issue of Milwaukee magazine which is on newsstands now we're gonna close out with something close to home this bites will be hosting this ever first ever event on September 9th as part of the Milwaukee film cultures and communities festival the event will take place at Dandy's, uh, kind of event space. Uh, I think it's at 6 p.m. And it's called Culture Clash. Uh, Fusing culinary traditions that bring people together is the title. Um, so basically, uh, I got, you're familiar with Alex over at Sap Sap, Laotian oh, yeah. chef. Yes. And Jason Austin of Heaven's Table, a, a black chef specializing in a, in a kind of American style barbecue. So we got them together to create a collaborative feast highlighting their cultures of barbecue, styles of barbecue, and bring it together. Um, so it's basically a kind of family-style meal we'll have. But before that feast, we're going to have a special guest, Adrian Miller, James Beard award-winning writer, also writer of Black Smoke, African Americans and and the United States of Barbecue, which just came out later earlier this year. Um, and he's also featured in a Netflix show, High on the Hog, which now they'll be doing a second season, by the way. Side oh, note. nice, yeah. Um, so he's been. It he was. He's, you see him face. He's coming to uh, uh, speak. I will be moderating a conversation with him prior to that feast, also at Dandy. So it's a full, cool event of barbecue and. And and kind of uh, kind of a collaborative feast and conversations about American barbecue and the origins of it. Mm-hmm. So it should be a really fun event again, September 9th. Uh, I I can give you a sneak peek of the potential uh, menu. There might be uh, like 
a sole roll, which was smoked pork, shredded cabbage with roasted peanut and cucumber sauce. The pork comes from Heaven's Table. And then uh-huh. the peanut sauce and a dip and the sole roll uh, comes together that way. Collard greens, but braised greens finished with a spicy fish sauce, ginger, and Thai chili sauce. We have a cornbread made with macroot, lime leaf, and coconut cornbread. And a brisket fried rice uh, with a garlic and shallow shallot of butter fried rice. Mm-hmm. And a smoked chicken, lemongrass smoked chicken with galangal coleslaw. So we're taking a coleslaw, what you know Jason makes, and adding some galangal and other flavors in the coleslaw. Nice. Oh, that so, sounds really good. So this is uh, the menu as it is. So people uh-huh. got a little sneak peek exclusive. So, yeah. So that's our first event. So it was the idea of like taking, doing something really real, bringing collaborative collaborations together, different chefs that specialize in, in their take on barbecue and bringing them together uh, and celebrating our cultures together, you know. So should be fun. That sounds awesome, Tariq. Yeah. This wraps up this week's edition of This Bites. This Bites is produced by Kenny Perez. Handcrafted sonic inspiration comes from the License Lab with support from Society Insurance and Feeding America, Eastern Wisconsin, and generosity from our membership. Subscribe to this podcast at RadioMilwaukee.org slash This Bites. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember to rate and review. And as always, and stay hungry. And keep the Malord cold. Have a good weekend, Anne. You too.